G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. This is Andrew McLennan. Today we are going to be talking about religious trauma. It's a term perhaps many of us have not even heard before, but it is something that occurs and sadly it can even happen in churches. Anna Harris is our special guest today. She's a certified trauma and resiliency life coach, and she has helped many people walk through, process, and find healing and restoration from religious trauma. Anna, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on tonight. Anna, let's look at religious trauma. Can you give me some examples of religious trauma that you've witnessed and the sort of things that people suffer as a result of it? Sure. I'll give a quick example from my own life. And I just want to say that one of the things about religious trauma that's so hard and difficult is because it happens within a church setting. And in a church setting, we think that we're going to find the love of God and we're going to find our community and we're going to have our friends and good leaders. And so when something harmful or something abusive or traumatic happens within a church setting, it's doubly hard to deal with because it's in a place that we thought that we would find love and acceptance. So for me, this happened quite a while back, but it's a good example of what can happen in um, you know a religious setting. So um, as a young Christian, I had been part of a, a group that was very, at the time we called them on fire for God and very excited. Um, and um, I found after I'd been with, with that group for a while that there was quite a bit of legalism and control um, uh, among the group. And so eventually, I really felt God was leading me out of that group. And so, and that was a hard decision because all my friends were from that group because it was frowned upon to be friends with anybody that wasn't part of the group. And so, um, all my friends were part of that group. And when I left, they actually were no longer allowed to be friends with me. In fact, I even had to find a new place to live because I couldn't live with my roommate anymore. And it was so hard. You know, it was just so hard to, first of all, lose all those friends. Um, to be basically condemned by the leadership and said that, well, you must not have ever been a real Christian to start with if you want to leave our group. Um, And then, you know, I had to sort through, well, you know, what's my relationship with God based on? Is it based on being part of this group or is it based on something else? Is it based on Jesus and my relationship with Him? So, um, so it was a really, really hard time, but it was also a very growing time. But it took a long time for me to really recover from that. And I think one of the main things with religious trauma often is feeling no longer welcome, no longer part of you know the group that that you were with. Yeah, incredible. And just going back, I think. We can perhaps look for indicators, can't we? And I think one of them you highlighted straight away is self-righteousness. 
that group obviously thought they were so on fire. They were like the elite of the Christian church. And that is a telltale sign of all religious cults, isn't it? Especially Christian cults and also Mm -hmm. churches or groups that are potentially way too controlling in their leadership that they feel like they're better than everybody else. Right. Exactly. And yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the leadership. There's another form that we're seeing a lot of now is this sort of heavy-handed leadership and um, like really casting a vision for what a church wants to do, the direction that they're going, the goals and all of that. And the problem that can come with that is when the the vision or the goals of that church become more important than the people within the church, because sometimes people can feel very discarded. Like if you're not part of the solution, you're not helping to grow the church, you're not doing your part or, you know, supposedly, um, then people can feel like, well, what good am I, you know? And so they can really feel discarded by leadership sometimes. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because there is a big emphasis in the church world now on leadership and leaders or pastors of churches are really, in many cases, trying to be great leaders. But it's interesting because Jesus didn't talk a lot about being a leader, but he talked a lot about loving people and about Mm -hmm. healing people and about bringing a message of salvation to people. And I'm not saying there's not a place for leadership because there is. It's a gift listed in the Bible. But I think it has to be tempered and balanced, doesn't it, with pastoral care, love, compassion, and support. Yes. If we just look at the characteristics of Jesus, you know, he led by example. Um, He led with love. People followed him because it was so amazing just to be in his presence. Like a true leader will have followers. They don't have to force people to follow them. In fact, sometimes Jesus said, don't follow me, you know, and he said hard things so that people would stop following him. And, um, but people love to be uh, in his presence and they love to hear what he had to say. And so he didn't have to force his leadership on anyone. So we really need to look at the characteristics of Jesus and his leadership style. Yeah, this is a great conversation, Anna, because I'm just thinking about the Bible. Yeah, I love the story of Paul the Apostle, who had all these incredible revelations and experiences of God, but he wasn't part of the the inner circle of the church, the 12. He wasn't one of the 12. And I love that in Galatians, he went up to Jerusalem to have an honest conversation with these esteemed leaders, men who had walked with Jesus. They'd seen him walk on water. They'd seen him die on the cross. I mean, they were so far ahead of the game than Paul. And yet Paul went up, didn't he, and had this honest, open conversation. And I think that's a healthy sign of leadership, isn't it? That people can come and have healthy, open conversations with leaders and the leaders will listen as well as speak. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it even says, Paul even says, I opposed Peter to his face. Like, how would you like that to be written in the Bible about you? And we're still reading about it for, you know, all these years later. But they worked it out and they both were amazing, you know, men of God that, you know, accomplished great things. And so sometimes, you know, truth does need to be um, spoken like that. 
But um, as far as in the church, so if someone is in a church and there's really like some maybe toxic leadership going on, it can make people feel controlled. It can make you feel unsafe in a church. Um, It can make you feel discarded and, you know, like, what am I doing here? Or you feel like you have to live up to all these expectations that this person is putting on you. Maybe it's not God with those expectations, but it's actually someone, you know, actually putting their expectations on people. And so that can actually turn Christianity into like a treadmill that you, you know, you have to keep performing and performing and performing. And that is not true Christianity. It's not what Jesus said. He says that I come, I bring you rest. All that you, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will bring you rest. And so we need to kind of sort through, does this look and feel like true Christianity, like true relationship with God? Am I growing spiritually in this environment? Am I growing closer to God in this environment? Because if not, it might not be a healthy environment for someone to be in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you said that Peter was challenged by Paul, I, again, just see that as so healthy because at the end of the day, Peter was doing something that he shouldn't have been doing. And so Paul went up to him and spoke to him about it. And I think none of us are above reproach. None of us are above, um, you know, an honest conversation, even as leaders. And obviously, you don't go and talk to other people and start gossiping and criticizing behind the scenes. But I think a face-to-face discussion, and I know someone, they're coming to mind now, who heard something about a pastor which was not right and it was wrong, it was a moral failure. And this person went up to that leader and actually asked them the hard questions and said, are you doing this? We've heard this. This girl's saying you're doing this, uh, a girl he wasn't married to. And at first the pastor resisted and argued and fought, but eventually uh, they compiled enough evidence that the pastor had to actually admit, yeah, I am. And it was great. It was, I mean, it was traumatizing for everybody, but thank God they got some closure. That pastor was moved on. I think that pastor only, I think he passed away like a year later or something, but the church was able to find truth as opposed to being deceived for a number of more years because no one had the courage to Mm -hmm. speak up to the leader in a respectful, private way, not in a public way, creating a scene, but actually going to the man privately and saying, hey, this is what people are saying. We need some truth here. Right, because until something is confronted like that, then um, the healing can't come. When things are being hidden, um, then they're hidden, and, and no healing can come for that for that person or for the other people that are involved and affected by it. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think this is important for all of us, isn't it, that if we do feel like something's not right, that in a respectful, you know, polite way, we do actually have to have honest conversations, don't we? It's not wrong to ask mm-hmm. hard questions of our leaders, is it? Absolutely. And people who have been harmed um, by uh, ministry leaders um, really need to speak up about it because when things are hidden, then it just keeps going because the that person can hurt another person and then hurt another person. But when they get confronted, you know, in love at first, if they if they um, admit to it, then um, then healing can begin to come for both the victims and for the person that was doing it. And it saves other people from being hurt in the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know there's people listening today, Anna, that are actually identifying with what we're talking about in lots of different scenarios and, and, and ways this can play out. But what is your advice to people if they've experienced religious trauma? How do we find healing and how do we find restoration so that we don't remain cynical or bitter 
or twisted towards church and towards leadership moving forward? Because God wants all of us in a church, doesn't he? Well, he definitely wants all of us to have a good relationship with him and with other believers as well, because we need each other. Um, but so if someone is actually in a toxic um, environment, toxic church environment, then they can easily leave. That would be my first um, recommendation is just to step back, take a step back. And then once they're out of that situation, um, and they don't actually owe a lot of people explanations for why are they leaving, because sometimes that can just open the door for, you know, um, you know, for people to try to get them to stay or whatever. Um, but the first thing is to just go ahead and take remove yourself from the situation. And then in your heart, um, determine the difference between what is my relationship with God? Because sometimes when people leave a church, then they actually leave their relationship with God as well, which is a tragedy. And so we want to um, help people to be able to maintain a good relationship with God, separate in their heart how much of this was like religion. And when I say religion, I mean that in like a legalistic kind of um, man-made. We'll call it man-made religion, not God-made. Yes, man-made religion. It's a good way to say it. Um, How much of this was that, man-made religion, and how much of this is really God and, you know, what the Bible says and what God wants for me. And to separate their relationship with God from um, that church and that hurt. Of course, they'll want to go through some times of forgiveness, but uh, I think that can even come later, can, can come later after some healing has come in their heart. Sometimes we try to force people to forgive too quickly when really they need some healing and then they can forgive and more healing, more forgiveness, um, because forcing people to forgive before they're ready can actually be a form of spiritual abuse as well. So it's all in in God's time. And the main thing I would say is to um, get in a place where you can really learn about the love of God as your loving Heavenly Father and how good He is, and just enjoy like His love, enjoy His presence and your relationship with Him, and realize how good that is. And um, you know, there's no rush to get back into a church until you're ready and until you feel safe. And just like we talked about in a previous segment about triggers and things like that, people can be triggered when they go back into a church. And so there's things that you can do. You can kind of say, is this from this situation or is this something from the past? And kind of work through that. And um, But the main thing that I want people to do is to connect with their Heavenly Father and to know how good He is, how good Jesus is. And, um, you know, that's your safe place. Is Your safe place is always with God in, in His love. Amen. And I can just feel the love and the healing of God just as you're speaking I can hear it in your voice and in your heart and it's just so encouraging and if people want to seek help from you Anna it's not impossible even though you're based in the States they can just go to your website Mm -hmm. can't they which is definedbygod.com you're open to coaching and counseling via Zoom or Teams from America to Australia you've got some great resources Mm -hmm. on your website so that's definedbygod.com Anna Harris is the principal of that, the founder of it. Anna, I want to thank you so much for sharing with us today. This has been very helpful, and I know many people have been really touched by our conversation today. 
Good. I'm so glad. And thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.